You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Well, hi, my sweet friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm really excited. You guys, we have a guest on the show. It's been a while. It's been a few episodes since I've had a guest on Decidedly Dry. So I am thrilled that I get to share this chat with you. Today, I am interviewing Margaret Ward. Margaret is a wife, an attorney alongside her husband. She is the mom of four grown children and is the owner of Afar, which is an alcohol-free travel company for women. How cool is that? Margaret has been sober since 2017 when she finally kicked her beloved Chardonnay to the curb for good. She wears flip-flops year-round when she's not running and would definitely waste a wish on having her golden retriever talk for a day. And also, she's obsessed with all things French. I love this bio so much. Um, I had a great time talking with Margaret, you guys. She is doing amazing, incredible things in sobriety, and it's just another walking example of someone who... I mean, just does not stop having fun in sobriety. Life is not boring. Your life will not end. You will not miss out on anything when you choose to be alcohol-free. Oh, except for hangovers. You will miss out on those. Shucks. One quick reminder before you meet Margaret is that Decidedly Dry, that your girl Jess is taking a little break from social media right now, or at least from posting on my Instagram and my Facebook pages. So if you want to stay in touch, the best way to do that is to either join our private Facebook community, you can find that in the show notes below, or make sure that you are subscribed to our mailing list, okay? I am only sending out emails at this time and posting on my private Facebook group, okay? So if you wanna stay in touch and be kind of in the know of anything that is going on with Decidedly Dry and, you know, just for community and for support and for motivation, inspiration, all that good stuff, you're going to want to either join the group or subscribe on the mailing list, okay? Would love, love, love to have you join one of those so that we can stay in touch. All right. With that being said, I am so thrilled for you to hear Margaret. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Decidedly Dry. Today, I have Margaret. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Jess. Oh, my gosh. I feel, well, for those of you that don't know, we've actually been talking for like 20 minutes. <laughs> so now we get to restart everything and be like, okay, what were we going to talk about? <laughs> but I am so excited to have you. Thank you in advance for coming on the show and just being here. I appreciate you. Oh, I'm so excited. I told you beforehand, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long. I feel like you're one of those people that I've known forever, even though we've never actually talked. I love this. I'm so excited for our chat. Um, well, I'm sure you've listened to the show before, but we kind of start like all the shows do, we got it. We got to get to know you. So if you can just tell listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, who you are, where you live, your job, all that good stuff. 
Yeah. So my name is Margaret. I live in Connecticut um, with my husband. We'll have 29. Well, we're 29 years married now. We're almost 30 years married, which I feel like doesn't happen that often anymore. <laughs> um, we still actually like each other, too. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I have four kids. They're uh, 27, 26, 23. And my youngest is about to turn 18. Um I'm educated as a lawyer and I still uh, practice with my husband. We have our own small little firm here in Connecticut. Uh, let's see what else I'd love to run. Um, I love to read. I, uh, I, should I say my sobriety date? Let's do it. Yeah. 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 I've been so sober since, well, I was trying for a long time, but it finally stuck back in August of 2017. So almost five and a half years now. That's amazing. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I love that you went right into that question. Cause that's, <laughs> that's where we're headed. Um, you did great. You hit all the things in your bio. We were talking about how much we just love writing bios about ourselves, right? <laughs> well, it's like, you nailed so it. Everything about you in two minutes. Two in seconds. two like, minutes. I don't know. I don't know. There's so much, there's so much more, but like I said, we overthink these things, right? We do. I don't even remember where I put my coffee this morning, you know? <laughs> All right, my dear. So you, you've been sober for a while, but I would love to kind of go back and hear your story, like the history. So when you started drinking, when it perhaps became problematic, like what led you to wanting to live alcohol free? Yeah. I mean, five and a half years, like sometimes it sounds like I feel like I've been sober forever. And then I feel like it's just yesterday, you know, mm -hmm. oh, it's so strange how that happens. Um, I used to think my story was so boring. I didn't want to tell anyone because I was like, this is just like so boring. But then I realized hearing somebody else's story that was similar to my own is what actually got me to really take that leap and become sober. So ever since then, I really started talking about it whenever I can, because I think it's so important to hear, you know, mm -hmm. each other's stories. Um, so I started drinking. You've probably heard this same story over and over um, because I think we all are in some ways so similar but I started drinking in high school usually as a way I was an introvert but didn't know it at the time so I thought you know it helped me I remember my first beer was before a high school dance and I snuck it you know my parents weren't big drinkers but I snuck it out of maybe it was even my brother's I don't know I snuck it into my room and drank it beforehand and I hated the taste it was disgusting but immediately I felt that feeling like um, just not as awkward. And believe mm -hmm. me, I was the most awkward teenager. I was called <laughs> Casper the Friendly Gokes. I had white, white hair. I was super, you know, taller than all the guys. I had buck teeth. I, I it was just very awkward. Um, my sister had given me a haircut back when I was a teenager. So she tried to give me um, layers because it was like the Dorothy Hamill, like layered look. And she <laughs> instead just chopped it straight across. So, I mean, it was a nightmare. So that beer just made me feel less awkward. Um, and then I drank, you know, I was just like, uh, I, I didn't think it was an issue. I drank through high school and then went off to college. I did a year abroad in high school in Quebec and the, the drinking was just really normal, normalized mm -hmm. there. You know, everyone did it because I was out in the middle of this little town called Bohenigamook which I just love saying that word, Wahanagamook. Yeah. Um, right? It just, it's a cool it's so, word. So it's a cool <laughs> word. And it was way out in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, at 16, that's what you did. You drank, you know. Mm -hmm. And I came back. My little high school had closed down, so I went right off to college. And I was way too young to go off to college. Uh, I was 17. I had just turned 17. And the drinking just continued all through college. Um, 
I still was able to do well in school, though. I I drank, I thought, like everybody else did, um, you know, binged on the weekend, studied during the week. Um, but, you know, if, looking back in hindsight, it probably wasn't that normal. You know, mm -hmm. that if I had, I thought everyone was doing it, but if I had looked, there was probably people who weren't drinking like I was. Um, but then I graduated college. I came home. I went to work for a law firm. I had wanted to go to law school. And that's where I met my husband. He was um, out of law school and was just started working there. And it was kind of, I I mean, it sounds so corny, but it was, it was kind of love at first sight. I mean, not love at first sight, but we really connected. And um, after that, we dated for about a year. I started law school that following fall and we got married at the end of my first year of law school. And then drinking really didn't have a place in my life. I was busy in law school. We had just gotten married. We both wanted a big family. So um, I got pregnant almost right away. Had my first child at third year of law school, which if you can imagine was, I brought him in as little, he was born in March and I had my finals in May. So I brought him in as little, you know, oh my gosh. Uh, car seat to my hospital exams. <laughs> I think back now I'm like, this was crazy, but right. it was just life. Like I was just doing life and I was so happy. Like I, I look back at those years and I was just so happy. I love being a mom. Um, we just had like one after the other, like four kids, right. You know, right mm -hmm. after the one after the other and and I just loved it and um so drinking really didn't play a part in my story during those years I mean I if I drank we would do it sometimes on the weekend mm -hmm. and again looking back I overindulged when we did drink you know but it wasn't a nightly thing it wasn't even really part of our our social life it wasn't part of my husband and my relationship at the time we were just busy raising kids and I was really fulfilled um, the mommy wine culture, thank goodness, was not a thing really back mm -hmm. then. I mean, this is 27 years ago. And I feel like I I missed I missed that. You know, it just really started once I had my my youngest daughter. Um and then fast forward a bit, um, and I a few things happened that I think really catalyzed my drinking to where it became problematic and my relationship with it changed. Um, my kids were getting older. They didn't need me as much. So my identity as a mom was changing. Uh, and I didn't really know how to feel about that. My mom passed away unexpectedly, um, of uterine cancer. It was a really short, uh, when she found out to when she passed away it was really quick. My father had already previously passed away from Lou Gehrig's, um, when my youngest son was four, my oldest son was four. So I was suddenly without parents, you know, mm -hmm. um, and my husband got really ill and was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. We didn't know what it was at the time, but he found out it was ulcerative colitis um, and pretty severely where he was hospitalized quite and ended up having some pretty extensive surgeries. Hmm. And those three things just like, and running a, a, a law practice, you know, so really by myself while raising the four kids. And I, I turned to wine. Oh, and I was introduced to box wine, Chardonnay. I'd never had wine before and a, a friend introduced me to it. And when I say it was, that was love at first sight. Me and my husband maybe weren't, but me and Chardonnay, it was love at first sight. Yeah. It did something that, that, you know, I beer never really did. I still mm -hmm. didn't like the taste of it, but the way I felt when I drank that glass of wine, man, it was, it was love. Yeah. It was love. And, and that's when my relationship really changed. I started using it to wind down at the end of the night, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
and to kind of just forget about all the other shit that was going yeah. on yeah. and to numb their feelings, you know, mm-hmm. like we do. Um, and I didn't see it as problematic, right? Like, because it was just at the end of the day, I wasn't day drinking. I wasn't over really indulging. It was a couple of glasses while I was cooking dinner. It wasn't every night right. in the beginning. Um, and then until it was, mm-hmm. you know, but like that progression took so many years. It took so long, you know, for it to get to that point. And there was those times where, yeah, I like would wake up with a horrible hangover and say, I'm not going to drink again. I'm not going to do that again. And so then it, it led to starting to put rules around my drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would only drink, we've heard all the rules. I would only yeah. drink on the weekend. I would only drink two glasses when I, I would only drink when we went out to eat. But then I was like, well, if we got to, you know, Wednesday night though, then I'm going to have right. a glass of right. Uh, so all these different rules that I kept always breaking. Um, and I would, I, I then progressed to, okay, I'll, I'll do a dry January. I'll, um, you know, stop for certain lengths of time. And then I progressed to, okay, I'm going to train for these races, these marathons and in the hopes that it would make me drink less. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't work. So I was like, okay, well, what's, what can I do beyond a marathon? I'll train right. for an Ironman. So I'll train for this Ironman. And, and it just like, there was no stopping. There was nothing I was going to do that was going to help. And mm-hmm. unless I stopped for good. And I just didn't see a way to, how to do that because right. I didn't, I thought it was either, I wasn't ready to label myself because I didn't feel like that fit me. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was either, you know, you can drink or you're an alcoholic And Mm -hmm. so I thought I should be able to drink like there's, I just got to make it work somehow. And I just didn't know how to make that happen. Um, And then what finally happened, I I listened to somebody's story. I was Mm -hmm. on training for an Ironman and I was on a, on a group um, on Facebook and somebody posted in the group saying, you know, I think I might have an issue. I I drink Mm -hmm. wine every night, a couple of glasses of wine every night. And the responses were all, we train hard, we drink hard. You know, they were like, when I say hundreds of responses telling her that everything was fine, that she didn't have an issue. And then there was one woman who said, you know, these responses are all, you know, yeah, I get it, you know, train hard, that's all fun. But if you were saying this and you think you might have an issue, I did, I stopped and here's my website. And she, you know, posted the website that she had. Um, And that that was like the string that then Mm. I just kept unraveling and finding all these other things. Because I went to her website and I joined her Facebook group that she had for other triathletes who, you know, thought they had an issue. And she was just like me. She was, mm-hmm. she was, it was the first person I could really relate to where she was like, you know, yeah, no, I don't maybe necessarily call myself an alcoholic, but drinking is a problem mm-hmm. and it's not letting me live my best life. So right. this is how I did it. And of course, then that led to finding podcasts and it led to finding other groups. And I was like, holy shit, there's this whole world. <laughs> there's all these other people. Yeah. Like there's not this just one way. And it 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 literally was just like I said, opening this whole can of worms, you know, that then eventually led to me being able to stop. Oh. I've just been sitting here nodding my head. I know no one can see that, but oh my gosh, there's like there's just so much. Number one, I relate to your story so much. And I love that you said, oh just another boring story that we all can, you know, because we do, we relate to so much of the same things. And yes, not all our stories are the same, but I just sat here nodding my head because it's, how do I put it? Like we, we are all so the same and so different. Like 
we feel like it was normalized for so long, you know, but nobody knew what was going in and are going on in our head. You know, it's like as moms, no, and I as think people. That's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember I had a journal and I mean, I was always into health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the outside, I looked so healthy and right. fit and, you know, like my kids are great and my relationship with my husband is great. And, and in my journal, like, I didn't know what else to write. Every, mm-hmm. everything I would write was, I need to stop drinking. Yeah. And then of course, when I, I, I couldn't, I would stop writing for a while, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm like, Oh, right. And then I'd go back again. And I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know how to stop. Like, right. I don't know how to do this, you know, but I know I need to. And then, you know, just this cycle over and over, it's this like just groundhog day over and mm-hmm. over, like telling myself I'm going to stop. And then, you know, my husband and I would have this, you know, and, and I would communicate it to him that I wanted to stop. Um, but he was always my, like offered me an escape hatch in my brain, you know, like, yeah. so he would call on his way home from work and say, do you want me to pick anything up from the store? Yeah. <laughs> that was a phrase, do you want me to, you know, do you want yeah. me to pick up a, you know, a bottle of wine on the way home? And it, it was that um, not committing a hundred percent, like I would mm-hmm. commit 98%, but that 2% allowed that escape hatch to stay open so that when he would call me, sure, I would question it, yeah. you know, or when we would go out to dinner, I'm like, mm, like, like not committing a hundred percent was my biggest downfall because I think once I committed a hundred percent, it was so much easier. Right. Right. So much easier. Cause then there was no question. It was like, nope, it's just not an option. Yeah, the decision fatigue went away. And mm-hmm. let me tell you that decision fatigue will kill you mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. So I'm curious um, how your races and your performance was. Like, did you ever feel like you had runs or or events that you did not perform at your best because of drinking? Or did you feel like you could reel it back when you were training and performing? So this is going to sound really crazy, but I... I performed better in races mm-hmm. before I quit drinking. Really? I was and curious. I think, and I think it's because, and I mean, I think maybe I'm an anomaly in this, like, cause I know a lot of people um, say they quit and they like, suddenly they're, it's all great. But I think I pushed my body so hard mm-hmm. as a way of normalizing my drinking saying that, you know, like it, I don't have an issue because look at, I, I can get up and run 15 right. miles and everything is fine. Like I, yeah, I was dehydrated and I felt like crap and mm-hmm. I, I did get injured a lot more while I was mm-hmm. drinking. Like since I quit, I I've not been injured once, but, um, my performances were, were a lot better. And I said, mm-hmm. I think it's just because I pushed myself so hard, you know, but now my running and my outlook on running has so changed when I, when I stopped running, when I stopped drinking, I threw out my watch Hmm. because now my relationship with running is not about performing. It's about, it's about my mental health. It's about being in my body. It's about being in nature. Mm -hmm. Like my whole relationship with, with running has changed, you know? So now I, I, it's not as important anymore, you know? Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm skipping ahead because I just love talking about the active uh, running and all of that fun stuff. But I would love to know how you removed alcohol. So we noticed the patterns, we had the rules, all of that. So how did you remove it? And I'm sure it wasn't it one day, right? I mean, it maybe took okay. a while or well, did it? Well, here's the strange thing. So like I did try for a long time. So yeah, I when I decided that day in August to stop, it was that was it like good. for good. Okay. But 
you know, you see the the months leading and years leading up to finally that happening. Mm -hmm. um, I had stopped for six months one time. And it was basically because my daughter had, my oldest daughter had confronted me. Um, she had been, she was in high school at the time. And one night, you know, she just asked me to, she's like, it really bothers me when mm. you drink. And that really hit me. Sure. And I was so angry with her at the time. And I remember I went out that night and drank. And mm. I was like, I don't have a problem. Like, why would she, why would she say this to me when this is like my one thing that I get to do, you know, like very entitled. Sure. And on the inside, it was because I knew she was right. And that's why I was so angry. And that following weekend, um, I stopped hmm. and I wrote her a note thanking her, you know, for saying that. And I, I stopped for six months and then she went away to college and it snuck back in because mm. you know she wasn't there and I was stopping for her and we all know you got to stop for yourself right I mean yeah. I think in the beginning if you can stop for your kids it's a great motivator but ultimately you have to do it for yourself because I mean what pressure to put on her too sure you know like that's not right to do mm -hmm. but it did give me I white knuckled it pretty much for six months because I didn't have any support groups. I didn't right. know that they were out there. So it was basically me white knuckling it, not saying anything to anyone, except that, you know, I'm stopping drinking because of my running or, you know, things like that. Um, so I still left that escape hatch open in my mm -hmm. head and eventually, you know, yeah, it yeah. didn't work. Um, so fast forward though, but I do think that was important having that period of time. You know, I think anytime that we do a dry January or, or take some time off, it does offer us reflection mm -hmm. and insight, you know, into, into our patterns, because when I, I picked it up, it did pretty quickly escalate again, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and I remember certain times, like she would come home during summer vacation. And I remember not wanting to go out to dinner with her because I wanted to drink. And I think back on this and I'm like, it, I don't hold on to shame about it anymore, but I see what the alcohol did. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I would, why would I not want to spend time with my daughter? Right. You know, like that's right. ridiculous to me now thinking back like that, that alcohol did that to me. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, that's how much of a hold it had on me. Um, so when I finally stopped, I think it was an accumulation of all these different things. And to be honest, I finally um, I love the saying, the fear of staying the same became greater than the fear of change. Mm. I'd been so scared of changing and so scared of how would I get by without this thing that had been a part of my life for so long and my identity as a Chardonnay drinker. And I mean, it was so wrapped up in who I was. Mm -hmm. So I was so scared of who I was going to be without that. Um, but But I finally, finally was so scared that that things weren't going to change yeah. that I just got over it, you know, and said, yeah. I, whatever it takes, I got to do it. Um, but the, the actual day uh, I stopped for months and months, I mean, maybe even years. I mean, all those years I was going to stop. I have a sister-in-law. She's never drank in her life and her and I are close, but like, we're not, we're, we are very close. Um, for some reason I had it in my head that if I ever stopped for good, I was going to call her and tell her, because I, for some reason, knew that if I told her, that was a thing that it was going to take to close that escape patch in my brain. Hmm. Because I just knew I would never be able to go back on if I said to her. And I had dialed her number so many times. Like when I'd stopped for a couple of days, 
I would like almost call her and then be like, mm, not yet, not yet, yeah, not yet. Yeah. Um, and so we, we used to have my husband's family up for dinner every Sunday night and I had stopped the Sunday before. Um, and that Sunday she came up for dinner and we were doing dishes. I'll never forget it. It still gives me goosebumps. Mm. We were doing, it makes me almost cry. Ugh. We were doing dishes together and I just looked at her and I said, I'm um, so I stopped drinking. And she didn't skip a beat. Like she didn't skip a beat. I don't even know if she knew I had an issue drinking, but she must have because she saw it, you know, she saw yeah. it. Um, but she just looked at me and was so kind and just said, it's going to be hard, but I'm so proud of you. And I know you can do it and I'll be there for you. Oh, wow. But when I tell you, when I tell you that this weight on my shoulders immediately lifted, because I had, I think because I just always knew that that was the thing it was going to take for me to, mm. I never, and, and, not, and I'm not saying it wasn't hard, like those early days of sobriety are hard. It wasn't hard, but ever, the minute I told her that weight lifted and I did not feel like I would ever drink again, mm. like that desire to drink literally, like I hear people say it and it's true. It happened for me. I, it, it just totally went away. That, wow. that and I mean, what a perfect response from her. I oh. mean, just it's, it's going to be hard, you know? I mean, and I think we need to hear that too. Like, okay, it's not going to be a walk yeah. in the park. She's going to be there for me. I mean, and she I, was, oh. she was because we would go out to dinners um, where there was a lot of drinking and she would just give me this look across the table. Like, I got you. I got you. You know, I got you. And I could call her when I was having a hard day mm -hmm. and um, like, or if my, my husband brought home wine and I was pissed off, I could call her and she'd be like, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me, let me vent. And we have to have those people, you know, Well, and it couldn't be my husband. It couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, as much as I, I love him and he was so supportive, you know, hundred percent there with me. It couldn't be him. It couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, it needed to be this outside person. Wow. Oh, yeah. I love that story so much. I got goosebumps. I was just like, well, I, and now on my that. anniversary, my sober anniversary, I send her flowers and a card every year. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Oh, what a great idea for anybody that has someone that just truly made a difference and helped them in their yeah. journey. What a great idea. Oh my gosh. All right, my dear, I'm looking at my notes. So now we get to switch to the good stuff. Not that that wasn't good. I always have to have to put that blanket statement, but I want to hear big or small, like what were the benefits you started seeing? What you mentioned just having that desire to leave, but were there any big things you started noticing in your life once it was gone? Man, Jess, I wish I could say it was sleep. <laughs> People like talk about sleep improving all the time. Yeah. I have yet to experience that. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's like the thing I'm working on the most, but um, I'm so jealous of people who like say, oh my gosh, within two weeks, I was sleeping like a baby. Ah. Um, okay. <laughs> um, the major things that improved my relationships, a hundred percent, hands down. And again, not saying that it was easy, because it took work, especially the relationship. And I think this is important for people to know too, um, especially the relationship with my husband. It took a lot of work because, I mean, that was the thing we did together. Yeah. And so it was really hard. It was hard both for him and for me. Um, and just 
figuring out now what we had in common with mm -hmm. that gone and what to do with our time. Like I used in the beginning, the hardest part would be when we would go out to dinner alone, like on a date night. And there's that time that you would usually fill before the food came and you'd yeah. have a glass of wine. Yeah. Right. And so now it's like the first night I remember just sitting there like, what the fuck did we talk about? Like, <laughs> and I was like, is she going to bring our food? Like, come on. Hello. And now it's like, you know what? There can be silence. Mm -hmm. That's okay. There can be silence, you know? Yeah. But um, it took, yeah, a little, a little time to figure out, you know, what our sober relationship was going to look like. And, but now that we did, it's great. You know, mm -hmm. it's a lot more open. It's a lot more vulnerable. Um, and also, I mean, we had to go through, you know, having kids that are, you know, it's a new season in our relationship mm -hmm. too, with kids being older and, you know, we're not the parents anymore. We're back to being just the two of us. What the hell is that? <laughs> like, right. Um, but, but it's been the great, one of the greatest things, you know, mm -hmm. it's allowed us both to really be a lot more open and emotional with each other. Um, and the relationship with my kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, and when I tell you it's the greatest thing, it's the greatest thing. Mm -hmm. It's just the greatest thing, especially with my daughter. I mean, no, with all my kids, but my daughter who was in the initial one who said she really had an issue, you know, I mean, the fact that we can talk about this kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, it's so important. Um, my son went to a friend's house the other night. He's 23 now. Um, and he came home and he said, you know, mom, I'm so glad you're sober because to see other moms drinking mm -hmm. and my hurt, I was that mom. Yeah. So, you know, for, for him to say that now, he's like, you know, my friend was so embarrassed. And I'm like, oh, the fact like, I mean, like I said, it's in the past, but yeah. now that we have this open dialogue and relationship with my adult kids, I mean, my, my daughter got married and her and her husband chose me to drive them to their Airbnb after because I was sober, you know, I mean, just great things like that. That made um, me tear up <laughs> oh, well, because I mean, that relationship right there. I mean, our husbands, of course, but our children too. Like I read a quote somewhere and it was like, sobriety to me is like knowing that my kids look at me and they trust what they see. And 100%. that is just like, uh, how can you, yeah. how can you change that? Like, it just means the world. But I yeah. cut you off. Keep going. I know you had no. And my list. my one son, um, when he was in college, a junior in college, had real issues with anxiety and panic attacks, um, to the point where I needed to fly down and and drive him home. And if I couldn't have, I couldn't have gone through that if I was drinking. Mm -mm. I wouldn't have been there for him, you know, because it was probably one of the hardest things I had to deal with as a parent, seeing your your child, and not be able to help and fix it. Mm -hmm. I went to numb the fuck out like mm -hmm. sure you know because yeah. like there's nothing you can do right. and to actually stay and be present and just sitting there with him and that's all he needed he needed you know me being there mm -hmm. not to fix it just to be there yeah. um and help him figure it out and let, let me tell you our relationship is so incredible so mm. incredible because we went through that together now and my youngest daughter she's in high school she chooses not to drink right mm -hmm. now um, but it, we can have these conversations, you yeah. know, where I can say, I'm really proud of you. Not that I wouldn't be proud of you if you chose to, but you know, I'm really proud that you're confident enough in yourself to be able to make that decision. Absolutely. Which is such a beautiful thing. Oh, 
Oh, my kids are just so, so beautiful. I love, I love them. <laughs> I want to see a picture. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, those are just the best. Like, forget the sleep. That's that's way more important. The relationships. We could work well, on sleep. Sleep is pretty freaking <laughs> important. <laughs> I've started making my husband. It sounds horrible. I've started making him sleep in the other room sometimes because he snores so loud. Oh, no. I'm like, dude, I need my sleep. I, I love to. you, but I need my sleep. All these people keep talking about sober sleep. I'm still chasing it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, my dear. Um, I want to know what were some of the big things that um, we talked about the benefits, but you do some really cool stuff in sobriety. And I would love for you to talk about everything that you're doing right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been the past five years. I have crammed so much living into these past five years. Um, so I guess the the biggest thing I've done is, well, not the biggest, but something I'm really proud of is I started a company called, initially it was called Recovery Run Adventures, where I wanted, I'd gone on a, a trip to Copenhagen. They had a, I found this little tiny little running race, half marathon, and a really, really cheap airline flight, which I get all excited about finding cheap flight. <laughs> and so just took off and went there for a long weekend and ran this race. And it was like one again, one of those like out of body experiences where you're running and this woman was running next to me and she didn't speak English and I didn't speak, you know, I think they speak Dutch in Copenhagen. Um, but at the end of the race, you know, we were running next to each other the whole time. And at the end of the race, we were just like so emotional and hugging Aww. each other. And I was like, you know what? I want to do this with other women. Yeah. I want to experience this feeling with other women who are sober because when you are sober, you know, it adds another layer, you know, mm -hmm. it just adds a, a dimension to relationships that you don't get otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so I started this company where we would go and travel to these destination races and do other really cool things and hang out in a house together for a week. And um, then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so it, it kind of put like a little yeah. in the plans, but um, it's been great. And we've gone to Iceland. It was the first trip I did which they canceled the race a week before we went, but we ended up running it on our own anyway with yes. like all uh, people in Reykjavik came out and it was just amazing experience. Um, and it was just such a great group of women and the conversations we had, uh, it's just, you become so close when traveling with people, mm -hmm. you know, there's something about it. You just like bond for life. I feel yeah. like, um, and then we went to Florence and then on um, this past September, we went to Greece and it was, was, I mean, just incredible experiences. And I kept getting emails from people though, saying, you know, I want to join a trip, but I don't run, mm -hmm. you know, I'm intimidated by the running. And so I decided um, just recently to kind of branch out and change the name, the name of the company. So now it's called AFAR, which stands for alcohol-free recovery retreats, uh, alcohol-free adventure retreats, sorry. Um, yeah, so now we're, we're still going to be going to doing a couple of races a year, but we're just going to be going to, you know, some really fun destinations. It's still women only still alcohol free. Um, yeah, but just to, to invite more people to the party. Oh my gosh. Ah, uh, I, I feel like serious uh, FOMO because I want to do all of those races. Like it sounds like an incredible experience. And I mean, are these races just a variety of distances. I mean, now they're kind of switching, you're saying to, you know, more of just kind of a travel group with other fun stuff splashed in there. But before were they certain distances? Yeah, they were mostly half marathons. Okay. Um, but you could do like, so when we went to Greece, there was a half marathon, but you could also run a 
10K or a 5K. Um, a lot so of us fun. ended switching over to the 10K at the last minute because, Jess, when I tell you this running course was, it's probably the most intense course ever. I, I got to tell you, we're going back to Greece again this following September because I just had such an incredible experience there. It's the most, I say this everywhere I go, but literally one of the most beautiful places on earth with the most beautiful people. And mm. we ran, the race takes place in this tiny little village um, that the year before had an earthquake go through. So, you know, they they lost everything. Like their buildings mm. were still in rubble. And when I say the entire village came out to cheer us on, oh. the entire village, there was, I've never seen so many bands in a race before in my life. Like playing next to these rubbles, you know, yeah. but it was all uphill. Like, like <laughs> it, is, it, is, it was all uphill. It was brutal. Um, but like at one point, there's just a woman standing, you know, in this field playing the violin. Stop. Like, and then all, at one point, all these, um, a marching band. And then another point, all the, the kids from like the entire elementary school were there out there cheering. Just such an, an incredible once in a lifetime, like race experience that oh. I'm like, more people have to experience this. Yeah. And like I said, the food in Greece was just phenomenal, phenomenal. And oh we, we hiked in these gorges, which I didn't know Crete was so mountainous. Like it's full of all these gorges, beautiful. Like, so we hiked down this gorge to this waterfall one day. And then another day we took a boat, you know, out sailing to this little island, you know, where we could like jump off and snorkel. It, it, it was Amazing. just like, where the hell am I? You know? Right. Uh, yeah. And then oh. at night playing Uno with a bunch of women and laughing so hard that we fall off our chairs. Yeah. And totally sober for it. Totally sober. Yeah. yeah. You're going to remember every and moment. What The funny thing is, I think when you are open and out there, you know, about being alcohol free, other people, you just attract certain people. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, on our trip to Greece, I had set up, um, you know, this, this tour guide and this chef and we got there and it turned out they were both sober, which no way. Like, what are the chances? You know, yeah. what are the chances? And then I remember our chef just looking at us, like, you know, talking for hours over dinner and just joining in and being like, nobody would believe that you women are sober. Like, <laughs> you're just crazy. Um, you're crazy. Yeah. Falling out of your chairs, laughing, yeah. like so loud, I'm sure, but just so joyous and like, you know, it's, it's like almost sad. Group, yeah. You're the only group that wants breakfast at 7 a.m. in the morning. Most are sleeping <laughs> in until noon. <laughs> We've got a race, man. We've got to go do our hike. Come on. <laughs> oh, that is so great and so amazing. Um, well, you kind of hit on it a little bit, but looking forward, what's kind of next for you? What's this new chapter? What do you got ahead? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So new chapter is my daughter is heading off to college next year and I will truly be an empty nester then. So I'm planning lots and lots of travel for next year. Yes. Um, yeah, we're going to be going to, um, to Norway to see the, the, the Northern lights. We're going to be going to, um, back to Iceland for, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? The Wim no. Hof method? So the Wim Hof method is, uh, well, there's three pillars to Wim Hof. Um, there's breathing, a special breathing technique. There's cold water submersion okay. um, and then mindset, you know. Mm. So the Wim Hof combines all three of those. And we're having uh, the 
number one female instructor of Wim Hof come and, and do a retreat for a week in Iceland. We're on a little peninsula all by ourselves, wow. you know, in Southern Iceland, where we'll be able to do the cold water, you know, submersions right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just going to be phenomenal. I'm like super excited about that. Um, and then we're going to be going to the Azores hiking um, in the spring. We'll be going to Costa Rica to do a surfing uh, retreat. Um, hopefully be going to Ireland in the summer because that's the time to go to Ireland. Okay. Wow. That's I mean, a- just just some a few little spots, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this so much. I'm going to have to... Uh make sure my passport is ready to go. <laughs> and I'm doing one-on-one coaching with women too. travel coaching though. Now I, okay. I just do travel coaching because I think it is really, I know for, for me personally, mm-hmm. travel was a big part of my life. And so it always was the, the thing that I was like, well, I have this trip coming up, so I can't get sober until mm-hmm. after that trip, you know? And I think that's true for a lot of women, um, a lot of people, not just women, yeah. um, trip is like traveling is synonymous with alcohol, you know, like we think we've got this special trip. How are we going to go and not drink? You know, we're going to Italy. How are we not going to drink wine in Italy? Right. Um, So, so I offer that coaching just to help them, you know, either, you know, plan beforehand or to reach out to me during the trip um, because it's so much better. It's so much better. Have a plan. Oh my gosh. So much. All right. Well, I don't want this conversation to end because I'm having a really good time and I love talking to you. Um, But my last question is one of my favorites and it is to the one person or many that is listening to this right now and feeling inspired to make a change. What advice would you give them? Um, Can I give two? Yes. Um, Number one advice I would say is tell someone, you know, don't, don't keep it to yourself. Tell someone, find your sister-in-law like I did mm-hmm. um someone who's you know you feel safe telling but tell someone it not just for accountability but just to get it to get it out I think there's such power in vocalizing you know instead of just keeping it in our heads um find your people there's so many options now there's so many different groups that you can find you know if one doesn't resonate find another yeah. I think the biggest thing I I would want people to know is you can't fail at this you know you really can't fail um just try if something fails try something new you know Mm -hmm. just don't stop trying yeah oh such good advice such good advice and you're so right i mean the options out there are just there's so many options and i love that you said hey don't let that discourage you know if if one thing doesn't work there's something else you just can't stop looking so I love that. I don't so feel much. like you have to label yourself. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's three now. <laughs> I will allow it. It's okay. <laughs> but I think that that is a big one for me, and giving giving yourself permission just to say I'm going to try what this is like going alcohol free. You don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, define it as anything. You don't have to explain it to anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, just give it a try. Yep, I love that. That held yeah. me back for years. That that you know that held me back for years. Yeah good advice. All right, Margaret, if people want to hear more about these amazing adventures, if they want to get in touch with you, I will have obviously how to get in touch with you in the show notes, but what's the best way for them to reach out? Um, 
Facebook. Yeah, I, I'm, okay. I still, my kids call me old for still using Facebook, but I still use it. <laughs> I'm Margaret Ward on Facebook. And then my website is uh, www.afadventureretreats.com. I love it. And I am um, on Instagram too. <laughs> <laughs> All those I know. There's so not many. I'm not on TikTok no. yet. No, I'm not. I don't think I'll ever go to that, go to that platform. Yeah. It's too yeah. intimidating. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so, so very much. I will have all of your contact info. I pointed down like everyone's going to see this right down here. No, <laughs> in the right show notes. Right top of my head. Right down here um, so that they can they can hear more and uh, reach out if they want to take it a wonderful adventure to Greece or one of the amazing places that you listed. So thank you so much for being here. And um, I just know that your story is going to really resonate with somebody. So thank you. Oh, thank you. This has been so fun. So fun. We'll have to do part two sometime. (laughs) All right. Well, have an awesome day. Thanks for being here. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.